Welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. My name is Terry, and I really like documentaries about ants. Today I'm chatting with Eric Power, who besides having an awesome name, has three kids and lives in Texas. And the reason I'm chatting with him is because he is an independent stop motion animator who has made a career from doing purely construction paper animation. He's worked on everything from music videos to spots for Wired and Jurassic Park to full on feature films. And when I say feature films, I mean like the entire thing animated in construction paper. So if you're looking to make a full on career out of stop motion and animating from your own house, this is a great chat to listen to because Eric is going to dive into how he's gotten clients over the years, improved his craft, and also some of the ups and downs that come with this type of career. But first, I have a sponsored message to share with you, and it comes from my friends over at Hue Animation Studio who offer a stop-motion starter kit that introduces beginner animators aged 7 to 13, or really anyone who's a beginner, to claymation, lip-syncing, rotoscoping, cutout animation, just like the type that Eric does, and more. Their cool kit contains the flexible and poseable Hue HD camera with a built-in microphone, their easy-to-use animation software with onion skinning, time-lapse, and chroma key tools, the Hue book of animation containing step-by-step instructions to create 20 exciting stop-motion videos, and digital resources such as free sound effects, storyboard templates, printable backgrounds, and activity sheets. So if you'd like to start creating stop-motion videos but don't know where to start, Hue Animation Studio is perfect for you. Head on over to HueHD.com to check out their kit, and I've included a link to to that in the description of this podcast, so please check that out. And now, without further ado, let's jump into this episode. Hi, Eric. Thank you for coming on the podcast. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me. That's good. Yeah, I'm excited to chat. I especially like what you do because you know you're kind of this independent. You know what? I want you to describe what you do to me or to whoever's listening because I think it's super cool. All right, so I'm an independent animated filmmaker. I uh, sort of have a little niche where I work with uh, cut paper stop motion, and uh, that's my thing. <laughs> I make like, feature like films, exclusively construction. Is it construction paper? Like your average construction paper, you can go to, go to the dollar store and buy, or is it like special stuff? Uh, it's it's cardstock, and uh, also like thicker. It depends on what I need it for, but I typically use cardstock. Uh, construction gotcha. paper is way too flimsy; doesn't hold up. It doesn't have the weight of a, you know. Right. So you are a <laughs> cardstock stop motion animator. Yeah. And you've been doing this for how long? Gosh, well, I've been animating since I guess um, 2000, 2001. Uh, Twenty years. Paper, paper animation, two thousand seven, I believe. Yeah. So 13, four, I guess 14 years ish now. That's insane. And this is this is all you do, right? This is like a full time your career. Yeah. What you yeah. Do. That's incredible. <laughs> I think that's amazing. Um, and I well, I really want to dig into this because uh, you know, I want to find out how you got into this niche, carved it out for yourself, found success. And also you you're working on feature films <laughs> just in in cardstock now, which I think is incredible. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so why don't you, why don't you tell me the story of how you, how you got into this? Did somebody walk up and say, we need a full-time cardstock animator for the next 14 years? And you're like, I'm the guy. Well, I, I got into it a little by accident, I guess, in terms of like forming a niche with uh, paper animation, because I was doing a lot of animation, uh, you know, for years, a little bit of hand-drawn stuff. I love doing claymation and uh, digital stuff using like 3D Studio Max. Um, a lot of the stuff I was doing was more like 2D slash 3D, so no, no full 3D. But um, I was working on a music video 
And I wanted it to have like an old school, like folky aesthetic. And I thought that uh, if I did paper stop motion, it would just look very kind of handmade and uh, have almost like a childlike quality to it, which is what I was going for. And I released that one. And then um, it got pretty big online. I, it didn't like blow up, it didn't go viral or anything, but it did well enough to where other bands saw it. And then they came to me and be like, hey, can you do like a paper thing for us too? And, Cause I was doing a lot of music videos at the time. And uh, then eventually, uh, you know, for, first I had to like beg people like, let me do it digital. Cause I can do all this really cool stuff digitally, you know? And I enjoy doing the paper stuff. But um, I felt like I couldn't do, like, achieve all the stuff I wanted to do with it. Uh, but then the more I worked with it, the more I fell in love with it, and then realized that all the things that I thought were limitations didn't really exist. I just wasn't thinking about it the right way. And so once I figured that out, it sort of became a, like a huge passion of mine to like push the medium as far as I can take it. So you were already an independent animator. Were you? Um, did you do the whole studio career before you jumped into independent animation or is this something that you kind of organically developed? I've never been an animator uh, for a studio. So I've always, I've been lucky enough to also direct my stuff. So I guess I've just been like a director slash animator from the get-go and mostly through stubbornness and a refusal to <laughs> like uh, give up creative control. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I feel that. So, so this came about because you wanted to create a very unique handcrafted folky look. And then it became so unique that other people saw it and said, I want something like this too. And how did that feel when, when other people were seeing this and saying, hopefully they were saying, I want to pay you to make, to make stuff like this for me. How did that feel? Like you said, you were kind of conflicted with going digital and then fell in love with this, but did it, did this kind of spark your, I don't know, career mind and say, this is like a good opportunity to pursue and I'm going to keep doing this? Well, I had already been getting paid to do animation before that. Uh, it, it was the music videos that kind of started the career for me. Um, I guess I was doing a lot of them. I was doing maybe like eight to seven to eight per year. So I was making like, some money on the side with that and eventually enough to where I felt like I could uh, do it full-time and yeah but the, the paper stuff was just um, like I said it just almost happened by accident and then I just like slowly fell in love with it nice. but it, it wasn't anything I mean I, I, let's let's set the record straight I'm not like doing super well like financially like it's still like very a struggle you know but um, I'm existing and surviving as a cut paper animator. And I think that's sort of a success in itself. You know? yeah. <laughs> so what gives you, um, you know, you said, it, you just said it's, it's a, a little bit of a struggle sometimes. What gives you the peace of mind of continuing to do this versus um, a different path that, that you might feel might be more secure? Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. I, I, I have three children, so I have to actually, I have to really deeply consider these questions, yeah. you know, in terms of like my financial stability over time. And I've definitely been in uh, moments where I felt like I was at rock bottom. You know, I feel like I'm doing the best work I've ever done, yet I'm not getting clients. And it's, it's really challenging. And I'm just trying to put myself out there. But uh, it, it seems like every time I've almost felt like I, had, I might give up on doing animation, 
something will come along and pull me back in. But um, it takes a lot to push me to that point because I'm very, very stubborn and I'm very much in love with the work. Yeah. So it'd be, it'd be hard to pull me away. So, so give me some of the hi- the highlights of what you've done then for you know the past 14 years and specifically this niche. Well, I mean, the biggest highlights are my feature film work because um, I've done uh, two so far and I am working on my next. <laughs> it hasn't exactly been officially announced yet, you know, so I can't say much about it, but I'm in production on something cool, something big. Uh, but yeah, it's the feature films that... Um, I'm the most proud of because they were very, very hard to make. <laughs> and, um, and it, it took a lot out of me and it's kind of fun to be able to show somebody like all that you see right here in this film, that was a year or more of my life, you know, on display. And uh, I think that's pretty cool. So you I do, every, you do everything yourself then. Yeah. I mean, now I work with the writer and a composer and, um, but yeah, I have to <laughs> direct and animate and edit and composite and do the, the whole shit myself. That is crazy. <laughs> so uh, where can we see some of these feature films that are already out? Well, okay. So the first one, Path of Blood's on Blu-ray and you can get it on Amazon. Although I think that's worldwide. I think you can get that anywhere. Uh, Attack of the Demons, my latest one, it's a horror film and it's available in the US right now on VOD. Um, it might come to Blu-ray soon. And we'll see. And I guess apparently Path of Blood is very soon going to be available on streaming. But um, I don't know too much information. I just found it out like the other day. (laughs) So, okay, are you involved uh, in kind of the distribution and all that stuff? Or, you know, you said you work with the writer now. Does some independent party come to you and say, we've seen your work in uh, a band's music video or a short film festival and we want you to fully produce this feature film for us like how, how, you've done two feature films where does that come from like I feel like this is pretty rare for one person to animate an entire feature film in a year yeah <laughs> it's, it's rare but I think it's becoming more common there's a there's a couple people out there that have done it as well it's a, a small group that I think is growing and I love it it's a kind of exciting to see because you, I feel like what you're seeing when you see that uh, independent person making it themselves is like a true passion project. And uh, all my films are that. It's never been somebody with money saying, hey, can you direct this for us? We have this script. These are, these are films that I came up with the story and co-wrote. Um, I, co-wrote is very like a loose term. I wrote the first film. The second one was like completely written by uh, Andreas Peterson, my friend. Um, but we, we've talked about the story together. But these are definitely just stories like I really wanted to tell. And both of those films were funded mostly by ourselves and with uh, family and friends and maybe like some random small investor, you know. Like I had a failed Kickstarter campaign for my first film um, and <laughs> like trying to find investors for that. So, well, tell me about that failed Kickstarter campaign. So y- your idea was to crowdfund enough money to make a feature film and what ha- what happened well i raised like thirteen thousand, <laughs> but um i did it through kickstarter so if you don't meet your goal you don't get any of it and i wanted 25k i thought that's what i needed you know and so i didn't get any of it and so i was really distraught um and i figured that i wasn't going to be able to make the film but um several of those like small um investors came anyway and be like, hey, you know, we are really interested in this project. So um, if you're 
interested in our support will still like tip in. And so I was able to raise a little bit that way. And then, um, yeah, family and friends helped out with the rest. All right. So, so you originally got funding to suspend a year producing the film and then you sold it to Amazon, et cetera. And, and, or like, I don't know, tell me about that. A little, a little tricky. Each film's different. So Path of Blood, I contacted a, a distributor and um, they were interested. And so they put it out on Blu-ray. Uh, Tech of the Demons, the most recent one, it played a bunch of festivals. And then we found a distributor uh, or we found a sales rep through the festivals who then found a distributor. Uh, it's a very mysterious world that nobody talks about. Yeah. <laughs> like how do you get your film distribution, you know? And um, I wish I had more answers, but I feel like a lot of it was just luck. Um, just right place at the right time. The right person saw it and believed in it. And uh, yeah, <laughs> because uh, what happened, like I, I, I filmed screened at Cinepocalypse, a festival in Chicago in 2019. The guy that um, founded Cinepocalypse is the, my sales rep. But uh, he contacted me uh, months later, you know, like after the festival, like everything had died down. I didn't think I was going to be able to sell the film. I was thinking like maybe I'm going to have to self-publish or something. And he uh, contacted me being like, hey, you know, um, do you need a sales rep? <laughs> like, yes, of course I do. Um, like fish need water. I need a sales rep. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, cool. And it just sort of happened that way. So how, okay. So I'm also wondering like, you know, I have an idea for a future film. I'm sure so many people listening to this have an idea for a feature film. And the reality is most people won't see that come to light. So, you know, they don't go through the hard work that you did, the emotional ups and downs, et cetera. Um, I want to know, what does it feel like completing a feature film and putting it out into the world and getting it into festivals? Like, what is that, what is that feeling you get? Because I don't know what, I mean, I assume it feels amazing, but I want to hear from you. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of it's a lot of mixed emotions because, I mean, you can ask any filmmaker when they show their stuff, you know, for the first time, it's like you're just throwing your heart out on the screen for everybody to just like have, you know, it's not yours anymore. <laughs> You've like given up control over it. And so, yeah, it was incredible, like seeing it on the big screen with a, a bunch of people uh, reacting to the film and oftentimes in the way that I hope they'd react, you know, or being surprised by their reaction, like, oh, the, and, you know, it's just, it's, it's pretty exhilarating. It's very fun and, and really nerve wracking <laughs> and terrifying. But, but enough that is this, is, is like the feature film route your path now? Or like, do you want to create series? Are you still going to do music videos or is it whatever comes your way kind of thing? I, I really want to do feature films as much as I can. <laughs> That sounds like torture. Also, <laughs> <Ow. laughs> I guess. I, don't, I, guess, I guess you're right. It is a little torture. <laughs> it, I mean, not torture. It just it just sounds like to me. It just sounds like so much work, like crazy. Yeah, it is, but I mean, the the goal. Like right now, I'm doing it all on my own still. Yeah. And yeah, today was a rough day. I was compositing today, and it it was hard. <laughs> Working really hard. But um, the shots are coming together nicely and it, it feels like my best work yet. Nice. So that like seeing seeing the progress, like you get to see the progress as you're going. And so it just keeps you going, you know? Yeah. And so you never, at least I'm not, I never feel like too discouraged. if like, oh, that shot looks pretty good. You know, it gives me like the energy I need to keep going. 
Nice. That's good. Um, are, do you want to build a team at some point to like, to, to work with or okay. Yeah. I'm kind of desperate for that. <laughs> what do you like? What would be the most helpful person you could bring on right now? Like a producer or just another animator or somebody to like take over compositing or something? I think what would be best for me is having uh, people working on backgrounds full time. Um, cause that, that's not one of my strengths. I don't think. And it's, it's a lot of work, you know, and then uh, having like an, another animator too would be fantastic because yeah, especially for the next film. Cause there's, um, I have a plan for my next film that involves like a lot of animation and a lot of characters. So, um, hopefully I'll be able to get a budget to actually bring people on. Um, of course I have to find paper animators yeah. <laughs> or, or train them maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's, uh, it's not a main, even in, even though stop motion is niche, it's, it's like kind of, except for South park, which isn't even stop motion anymore. I can't even think of uh, another paper animated mainstream thing, I guess. Do you get compared to st South park a lot? I guess. Uh, unfortunately it's like the main thing I get compared to. Yeah. And it's very troubling for me because I don't really watch South Park. I haven't since I was like 17. <laughs> you know? When it was originally to stop motion animated. <laughs> yeah, back when, back in the late 90s. I think I watched a little bit when I was in high school. So, but, so can you yeah. tell me about your process a little bit of like what exactly goes into this? Because, you, you know, like watching paper cut out stop motion, I have an idea because I've like dabbled in it myself before. But I mean, you do this as a career. So like, tell me your process. I'm assuming it takes a lot of cutting <laughs> and like you have multiple planes, maybe like set up. I don't know. Yeah, tell, yeah. tell me about it. It's, it's differed with a job to job. I do things a bit more streamlined these days, but I have uh, in, used a multi-plane camera before. Like um, what I did <laughs> for Path of Blood, I had like a glass coffee table and then I had layers of glass separated by stacks of like Legos. And so I could like raise and lower it with the Legos to get like the effect I wanted. It was, it was actually, I thought I was being pretty clever with that because <laughs> everything's very low budget, you know, yeah. over here. But nowadays I like to shoot my stuff on uh, green paper and then like composite out the, uh, the green or the blue, you know, hmm. and um, that way I can have all the layers uh, separated because I found when I was making Path of Blood, I think I was doing a shot where um, my main character had to walk behind a tree and it's like the tree was on top of the character model. It's like paper on paper. And you're trying to like manipulate the thing under the tree. And meanwhile, the shot just looks like the tree's just shaking because it's like, it has like millimeter level like movement constantly and it just doesn't look real. So um, yeah, so I decided it was a lot easier if I could just like shoot the guy walking and then shoot the backgrounds and foregrounds separately and then composite it digitally. And um, that saved me a lot of headache. And it also opened up the doors for shots that I thought were impossible before. Nice. Um, Was there any um, difference in quality when you did that? Because like, uh, you know, the lighting has to match. I've, uh, you know, sometimes you can tell when stop motion has been composited versus, you know, you're shooting on multiplanes. Did you find, or do you have any tricks on keeping it kind of similar? Well, I mean, I feel like there's probably, probably with the uh, scrutable eye would be able to tell that things were composited, you know, like not every shot is uh, done that way, but um, I've kind of embraced it 
Um, also, compositing's gotten a lot better, but I mean, the thing about lighting, it's like the paper's so flat, like everything's lit the exact same way. So that's not really an issue, sure. you know? And then the color correcting tools that you have digitally are able to let, let you sort of like get that to look right, you know, and you can tinker with it till it feels right. I could see the process being a lot uh, harder if you're doing things, you know, like um, puppetry and stuff like that. Probably be a little trickier. But yeah, um, <laughs> given that it's all flat, you know, like to start, it, it's, it tends to work pretty well. Gotcha. I have some more qu technical questions about this. So when you're lighting it, what is the optimal lighting setup to get that flat lighting and like no hot spots or like, uh, et cetera? That's, that's tricky. Um, I've got three different lights set up uh, here. You know, I, I use these big old things. This is my station right next to me. And then little tiny spotlights. So they're not they're not special lights, right? That looks like a desk lamp. Is that true? Yeah, I don't know. It's like it's like two uh, two big desk lamps from IKEA. Okay. They're each like twelve bucks, and then another one uh, sort of stuck on. Um, it isn't perfect, really. There's probably a better uh, system I could use, but you know, it's sort it does of a job. It does what about um, what about your characters? Are you like when the limbs are moving? Are you actually, are they actually tied together like with a string or a piece of wire behind it or are they just free floating? No, uh, it's, it's like the stuff, a uh, sticky tack. You oh, know? you just put a piece of sticky tack on it. Yeah, huh. yeah, it's so simple. Um, I figured that out um, pretty early on that, you know, this, I, I remember when I was first doing uh, the stop motion paper stuff, I was remembering at uh, grade school, like posters on the wall would always be like with the sticky tack. And um, it's very manipulable, manipulable, and there's a learning curve to it. And if you leave it on the paper too long, it, the paper will oil up and it will like cut the paper. So, like when you're done with your um, puppet, you got to take it all off, you know, and store it. <laughs> Doesn't cool. get all gross and greasy. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it'll it'll look greasy. It'll bleed through. And it'll mess it up. <laughs> do you do you sticky tack the whole character down to the green the green screen or the, the um, sometimes. Okay. Depends on what I want to do. I mean, um, if I'm doing like a, a shot where I need, like, if I'm doing like a loop, like a walk cycle or something like that, I'll, uh, um, I guess I won't sticky anything down. But if I want it walking across like a full shot, I'll sticky the foot like periodically. I don't know. It's like, it's complicated. Fair enough. <laughs> so like, it. say I want to do a full feature film <laughs> and cut out right now. What are some things I should, you know, be aware of with the learning curve or like just tricks you've learned with animating? Um, Cause you, you know, you've done 2D, 3D stop motion, et cetera. What is, what are some of the like complications of, of cut out that I might not think of? Huh, uh, gosh, I mean, it, it's a different world entirely working with cut out. I guess I've slowly learned little tricks here and there. Hard to give like a good example. I don't know. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a question, but I'm not not exactly sure. Like, give me an example. Like, what do, what do you want advice on? Um, say I have two characters like interacting, and um, I don't know. You know, one has to like move its arms around a bit, and the other one's has to bob its head up and down. I don't know. Just is there any way you would approach that that might not be intuitive? Uh... I've done it multiple ways. Sometimes I'll shoot both the characters in the same shot, you know, just interacting. And other times I'll take notes on the frames. Like when, uh, when this character does this, like what frame 
was this action taking place so that I can match the reaction uh, for the other character. Hmm. And um, actually, Dragon Stop Motion, you use that, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's got this great tool. Like you can take um, a piece of animation that you shot before and superimpose it on top of what you're shooting now. And then like you can just match it up the way you need it. I've been using that a lot lately. Nice. Uh, what about, um, sorry, I just, I just want to keep picking your brain about this one. So what about uh, like doing parallax? Like if you have, uh, you know, the foreground, say it's trees and it's moving along with the camera move, would you actually move that in dragon frame or would you take like a big picture and just uh, do it in, in like After Effects when you're compositing? Yeah, typically if I'm doing something like that for the background to be moving or foreground, I'll uh, often just take a picture and let it move itself unless it's an element that I um, I need more action in or if like say something's moving but it has to also have wind blowing on it like grass you're like panning through some wind blown grass you know yeah um, but typically I think I'd shoot that by stationary grass with the wind blowing and then digitally pan it that would probably make more sense yeah fair enough fair enough is is um I guess maybe my last technical question is 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 like cardstock the only thing that you use when it comes to like special effects or um, I don't know, just anything else? Uh, I've, I've been uh, implementing a lot of other stuff lately. I like using sand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like sand how, animation. How so? So I've got like a light box, you know, and just pour a bunch of sand on top of it, like the light, and then uh, shoot, you know, the, the stuff that shines through. Um, you might have seen sand animation before. Yeah, yeah, I have. Okay. Yeah. But you can use it for really cool stuff like water effects like it does crashing waves really well and so how will you how will you so it'll be like uh cardstock uh with like sand and uh, say like i have a cardstock beach and then the sand is the waves coming up like uh, how, how do you incorporate it into the well the the sand has to be shot like in silhouette you know so you'd have to do some compositing tricks with that um, interesting yeah <laughs> so you so when i'm actually watching a film i'll see the cardstock with like a sand animated incorporated into like a background element or an effect somehow or something yeah like i've used it for explosions um and it works pretty well and oh, nice. well, i mean compositing you can do anything you can turn something into anything so, so when you <laughs> sorry, i'm just like going down a technical rabbit hole so when you use the light box do you use like um you like take out the white light when you're compositing it? Like, how does that exactly work when you're putting that into a scene? Uh, well, you can isolate the light that comes out and get rid of the dark, or you can do vice versa. Okay. Um, so, okay, so I mean, okay. like I'll lay out some green um, sheets of plastic so that I can, you know, just, it's basically you're shooting like the green um, light that shines through, and then you can isolate that and use it for whatever you want. Nice. Okay. So, so like you don't get like a glow around the individual sand pieces that is like really tough to edit out. Yeah. I mean, there, it's not perfect, you know, it depends on the camera you're using and, you know, the high quality and um, how close you can get, but it works like genuinely good for stuff like water and explosions okay. and um, just random special effects, you know, <laughs> that's, that's what I I've been actually... for lately. But I never it, actually thought of that before, but it totally makes sense because you can morph it however you want. That's interesting. Um, yeah. So 
you've produced, you're working on your third feature film. And before you said it took about a year and a half of your time to make one feature film, which I think is an insanely short amount of time. <laughs> uh, so I want to talk about that. First of all, how quickly can you animate cardstock versus other forms? Is it a lot quicker because you're, you, you know, gravity isn't such an issue. Uh, posing is maybe easier. Like, tell me about, tell me about that. Like, can you, how, how fast can you animate 10 seconds worth of, uh, sorry. So in like traditional stop motion, kind of the saying is like, you can get 10 seconds a day, right? In, uh, with cardstock, how many seconds can you get in a day done? Like a, a pretty good day. I can get about 40 seconds done. Oh, wow. So like four times the amount. Yeah. Yeah. 40 seconds is a good day. <laughs> wow. Nice. But yeah, I mean, when you, once you make your character models, I mean, you can use them again. So it's not like hand-drawn animation where you have to draw everything, you know, and you're drawing the same person over and over again. Like you got your models and, um, and then everything goes quick. I mean, it takes a long time to make those models. Um, but yeah, then it's just like, you can crank stuff out pretty quick at that point. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So how do you, okay. So like you're doing a feature film takes a year and a half. Um, I've worked on projects where it's like, I have like th three months to produce like a minute and a half of animation. And like, I've struggled a lot with figuring out kind of timelines and deadlines for myself for things. That's the, I'm, I'm talking about like everything from like creating the character design, storyboarding, animating, compositing, et cetera. How have you managed to like figure out kind of how much time is going to take you and also stick to that? Like some days I'll find that I'm just not in a creative mood. And so I might work and get like two hours of stuff done. And then like the next day I might get like 10 hours of stuff done. So like, how do you manage this for like 14 years? You must have some system that I want to pick your brain about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a trial by fire, I, I guess, because um, I had to pump out a lot of animation just to survive as a freelance animator doing music videos. Cause I'm like, <laughs> music videos don't pay a lot. It's often like indie yeah. bands, they don't, make a lot of money and so I, i'd be having to make about a three and a half minute film in a month and a half you know on a regular and then when i'm done with that one i'm starting the next one and it and i don't stop you know and so by the end of the year right, what is like three and a half times 10 or whatever you know it's like almost 30 minutes of animation in a year and um <laughs> so it's, which is a lot but um, it, it's basically just a survival thing, I think, that got me to the point where I'm confident in the amount of animation I can do in a short amount of time. Um, and then, of course, my process has gotten more, more and more streamlined over the years to where I have uh, like full confidence going into a project and executing it. And I think it also helps in that I haven't bogged myself down with like doing animatics in the beginning. So, you know, because I don't really have to communicate too much to like a full team. And I've done animatics before and they're super useful. But if I'm working really fast, you know, instead of storyboarding a music video, sometimes I'll just write down the shots like real quick. I'll just type out what the shots are huh. and work off of that. And then make tests, like all the stuff I need to cut out, all the stuff I need for backgrounds, you know. So you'd be like shot one is 10 seconds worth of animation shot two is 20. Like, do you even do that or like? I, I, I try to keep like music videos pretty free flow. Um, and short. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of about like knowing your filmmaking style and being confident in it and 
just sort of like going for it um, almost almost with a punk rock at, <laughs> attitude. <laughs> um, so I'm wondering, like you focused exclusively in card stock. I guess I'm just going to call it cardstock animation now. <laughs> Is there a different term I should use for it? Is there something you call it? I, I just call it the uh, paper stop motion. Paper <laughs> stop motion. What, what stories can paper stop motion tell that can only be told in paper stop motion? Because like, you know, 3D is taking over as it can even mimic stop motion now with textures and, and the style, et cetera. So like, um, what, what is best told with paper stop motion that other mediums can't match? I mean, that's, that's hard to say because I mean, the thing that I'm trying to do is tell any type of story in paper stop motion. So I haven't really limited myself to like figuring out exactly what my uh, medium would be best for. I've just been kind of telling stories and trusting the audience um, is willing to go there with me, you know? And I've been pretty fortunate enough. Like my favorite comment whenever I've released one of my feature films is somebody that tells me after a while, I forgot it was paper animation because I was invested, you know? Oh, nice. And that always makes me feel pretty good because that means like it's working, you know? So long as I can keep getting better, then, um, you know, maybe people will take it more seriously and they're you know, down the road. Um, I think one thing that's very unique about paper animation, though, is that you can see the paper, you can see, you know, that hands made it, and it's also very accessible for children. Like, mm -hmm. kids can watch it and be like, I know how that was made, you know? I could probably make something like this, <laughs> you know? And I've taught animation to kids before, and it's uh, stop motion in particular is very intuitive for them. They understand how it works, you know? And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess a kid's film would probably be best. <laughs> it would probably be yeah. like a really good use of it. <laughs> Even though your stuff is more for an, ad an adult horror audience. <laughs> yeah, in my film, heads explode. <laughs> uh, not, not the one I'm currently making, by the way. Kids can watch the next one. <laughs> okay, so like, what is that dream that you are chasing? You know, you, you like telling stories, you, you felt this medium. Given like unlimited resources and time and whatever, what, it, what, is, that, what is that thing that would be the ultimate project for you? It's no one in particular film. I'd love to look back on my life and feel like I contributed something to the medium and kept sort of traditional animation alive in some way, even though I do use it in a, in a new way, like using digital compositing and stuff like that. Um, I think having like the, the hands-on tactical, um, tactile um, approach to the animation is a, uh, is something that I'd like to keep going so it all doesn't become just digital or, um, you know, something to where people can like make a movie by <laughs> like typing in commands on like software or something, you know, I don't know where animation's headed. And, um, but I'm, I'm happy that I'm already like obsolete, right? So <laughs> people, uh, people will hopefully always want um, something that they know humans made by hand, you know? Yeah. So, uh, you know, you, you said you want to contribute to the medium and et cetera. What, what could you do to do, do that? I guess, you know, other than you're making feature films, is that, is that a path to, uh, accomplishing this or, or do you so. want to start also like, you know, you said you've taught kids before. Is there like, you want to create courses or, or like, um, I think I just want to make films. <laughs> yeah. I think what I would really enjoy is like apprenticing, other artists, you know, like um, potentially, I mean, that's like the dream to have a studio to where I'm sort of helping teach new artists animation and um, 
maybe even like, I want to get into producing. I want to see other people's films come to fruition. I want to help out people like me um, that don't have any money and, but they really want to make their films and, you know, just like give, give them away to, to sort of help them and uh, to like feed the process on. I want to see more small scale films, especially particularly in animation because there's so many huge budget animated films out there that just dominate, you know, but it'd be nice to, to have a place for uh, smaller films. Yeah, totally. It's like, there's almost, uh, the main, like the average person doesn't even know, they only think of the films that come out from Hollywood basically. And they don't even know there's this whole other world of, uh, films that stream like online or on film festivals or, or et cetera, like films that you make. So yeah. yeah much less animation. Like nobody sees the animation stuff, you know? And they all think it's for kids too. So yeah. there's this stigma that you're that I'm constantly fighting against. <laughs> you just gotta make more heads explode. Just make a film called Heads Explode and then uh I know, but but I wanna make like more art housey films. I wanna make like slow burn philosophical stuff, stuff that's gonna bore people. That's yeah. just, like, <laughs> so like I'm always fighting against against that, like making entertaining film, but also making something that um like you can relax to like the next one I'm making right now, I, I consider it like a comfort film. I want people to be able to watch it and like dive into this world and, you know, just like feel warm and happy that they're in it. You know, um, it's, it's not really meant to shock or anything. It's supposed to, it's meant to like be uplifting and like fun. <laughs> when I'm animating, especially certain scenes, like all I'm thinking about is how people are going to react when they see what I'm doing and it's really exciting. Do you get that feeling too? And when you're animating, cause you're doing a whole film, which is like various levels of, we just need this shot. Cause we need to put it in here. This is an exciting shot. This is like a, you know, sad shot, et cetera. Do you, do you also experience that? I always try to, to bring something to each shot that uh, excites me while I'm working on it, you know, to where I feel like it'll, it'll register. Um, it's really interesting bringing emotion, trying to bring emotion out with paper characters. And a lot of that's, um, you know, the voice acting and, you know, but I, that's something I'm constantly struggling with, like trying to make it feel as real as I can. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm still a far ways off. I don't think I'm going to be making my best work for another decade or so, but I think it's important to also try and just to, to release stuff and uh, to not be afraid to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Actually, that's a good point. How do you bring out acting and emotion from a paper cutout character when you could rely a lot on the voice acting to do that for you? But, you know, if you have a character standing there for a good 20 seconds talking, how do you really bring that character to life from a piece of paper? Yeah, well, for me, I'm, I'm walking around this big room of mine, like acting out the scene myself. <laughs> and even I find myself like as I'm working on the, the shot, like my face is like moving in the way that I want that face to move and like trying to like really feel it, you know, <laughs> get a sense for it. So a lot of it is just um, it's it's like I get to be an actor, too, because, um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of like trying to put like my acting in, into the paper movements. <laughs> so that's well, that's another question of mine with the face movement, because like, uh, you know, a human face can be very much manipulated or just a face can be manipulated in 2d and 3d much more easily so how, you know other than like eyebrows moving up and down and and eyes looking around how do you really bring out emotion into a paper cutout face yeah i mean that's that's something that i'm always working to improve you know i've um sometimes you can take a like add little 
um, replaceable objects like on the eyes to make them like lower and bigger, you know, um, like subtle mouth movements. To me, like facial emotion, it, it has to be very subtle sometimes. And it's often it's just like a, a millimeter movement of an eyebrow or another. But yeah, you're right. Like I don't get have the full cheeks or the chin going down. Like there's a lot of um, a lot of limitations to paper animation that I'm still trying to figure out how to bring some of that stuff in. But I think with each film, I get a little bit better and I learn a new trick here or there. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> no, that's 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 great. And and like you're obviously like a powerhouse of producing these things. So uh, I'm sure you're learning a lot as you're going and improving. Too. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Like you, you learn by doing and practice, practice, practice. So like, for instance, I've got like a cat I've been animating and I've done several cats over the years, you know, but um, and this time I want to really bring it to like another level. So I've been really digging into like how do cats move, you know, um, trying to get it as like realistic as possible. So uh, it's, it's just like you just learn so much being an animator because animation really is like the study of movement because you always have to be thinking about the way things move, you know? Totally. Um, I want to talk about kind of how, how you get gigs because so you, right now you're like locked up doing a feature film. Does this mean you're having to turn away gigs as they come up? Yeah, <laughs> saying to be able to, to have to tell someone that I, I can't do a project, you know, especially if it's something like I would normally really want to do. Uh, I have had to turn away like two people so far. And I'm just like, please, you know, um, give me a year, but you know, let's get in touch again. Cause I'm probably gonna need a freaking job after I'm done with this. How do you, okay. So, cause like, I've noticed you've worked with some pretty big companies, like, you, you know, the Best Fiends app, which is like a billion dollar company and like Jurassic Park and stuff. Like these are big clients, right? Like, um, do you have an agent? Do you reach out to these people? Do they reach out to you? Or are you just kind of like well-known in the, in the like studio world as the guy who, can do something unique and cut out stop motion? <laughs> I don't think anyone knows who I am. <laughs> Nobody knows who you are. So how do they get, how do you get these jobs? Cause yeah, well, uh, there's a site called Tongle uh, that another animator turned me on to. And it's like a place where you can uh, pitch on various projects. And so I started pitching on them a couple years ago and uh, nabbed like the best fiends thing and uh, sort of developed a relationship with the people that work there. And also, um, you know, I've done a lot of stuff for the Sci-Fi Channel and uh, Universal in general. Um, like they did the Jurassic Park stuff. So I think they kind of like at this point, some people know who I am. So they ask me, you know, if I'm interested in doing, you know, a thing. Like sometimes you... I haven't had to really pitch. They've like come to me and be like, "Hey, do you want to, you know, like um, put your name in the hat on this one? Because nice. we think you'd be good for it." So you you did Tongle because you. Um we're looking you wanted to like get in some more work i guess right um yeah because ad work pays a lot more than music videos because <laughs> these people have money <laughs> i remember I, I did a i was doing like a five second piece of animation i think it's for like some facebook commercial like several years ago and i was talking to the producer on the phone and they were asking me like how much i would charge for like a five second of animation and i'm like i don't know like maybe like a couple hundred dollars you know and she like literally laughed at me and she said, we're not going to pay you that. We're going to pay you this. And it was like much higher. It's like, you're serious. Like, well, that's good. Have a lot of money. Like maybe I don't know my worth, but. <laughs> a couple hundred dollars for five seconds. Like, yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. 
Fair, <laughs> fair enough. Um, well, I was going to ask you, like, how do you pitch? So for the Best Fiends, for example, you know, they have like the the, the app that you can play with the slugs and et cetera. So they put out a, a call on Tongle and then you go and say, hi, uh, here's my idea for this ad and it's gonna be done in cutout stop motion. Here's my, like, tell me what this, how you pitch something that's so unique like this, because I'm assuming there's 2D animators, 3D animators, like all these other agencies, studios trying to pitch at the same time, yeah. especially Best Fiends, which is like a big, company yeah i mean yeah just like um i shot a video and i'm like explaining who i am what i do and then uh, links to a bunch of my work and then um yeah i pitched you know what i wanted to do for it and um i, I think i even made like some example art and stuff like that you know i kind of went the extra mile um, which i hate doing stuff on spec you know it's like, kind of terrible but you know sometimes you kind of have to <laughs> yeah fair Okay. All right. So you, you put in a lot of work to show them exactly like what they would get. And then, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. I think it benefits that, you know, my, I have like a bit of a niche, so, you know, like sometimes people want something that is, you know, a little bit like lo-fi and cut paper, you know. Do you try to ham that up? Like I bring a really unique look that stands out, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so I guess like you, uh, you are the stop motion cutout guy in my mind. I can't think of anybody else who has like such a, a big and a big, like a variety of work and such a long career in this. How big is the space uh, for this niche? Cause stop motion itself is already very small. And then I don't even know if I would consider this as the same realm as stop motion. Cause it's, it's almost like, it's, it's almost like a different, it's like a mix between 2d and stop motion, I guess. But how big is, how, how big is the space for people to enter this? I think there's room for it. I've seen a lot of some pretty brilliant stuff done with paper um, over the years, various music videos. There's a lot of creators out there that are using it in very unique ways. Um, a lot of really awesome short films, um, I don't know. I don't know what the, it, I'm not sure about like feature films, like if people really want it or if it's going to be a, like acceptable, <laughs> you know, uh, for something big. Um, hopefully it will be because that's what I want to do. <laughs> well, if I, if I'm listening to this and I'm like, uh, I really want to enter into the st paper stop motion world. Um, what would you suggest? Should they start with something like music videos or, yeah. or something like I think music what would you suggest to this person to get a start i think music videos are a great way to start as how do, how do i get a music video gig um <laughs> i guess i don't know i mean i um i go i used to go to shows a lot and i just like knew a lot of musicians and i it sort of started that way for me like i did one for free for like a friend's band and then there they had a friend who was in a band and then they had it and then that one like blew up and it just sort of like snowballs sometimes yeah. But um, just get to know musicians you like or like contact somebody that you dig their music. And especially if you're starting out and you just want to like try it, you know, and don't expect to get paid. You know, there's a lot of bands that would probably like dig it. Um, but the great things about music video is you don't have to worry about the sound effects or hiring people because you're just doing it to the music. So it's a great place to sort of practice your trade of animation mm -hmm. and uh, branch out from there. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um do you have anything else that you think is important to share or, or about your journey? Any of the ups and downs that you think are interesting? 
I guess uh, <laughs> measure your success in your own way, I'd say, because it's a difficult road to try to, you know, survive as an artist. And um, what I've told myself is that if the job I'm working on now, like leads to the next job, like I, that's a success, you know, like um, Path of Blood, my first feature film very much directly led to me meeting the screenwriter uh, for my next film. And it turned into me being able to make that next film, you know, it very much, I it wouldn't have existed without the previous one. Yeah. And, uh, the same is true for Attack of the Demons. The reason why I have a producer that's working with me on this new film is because Attack of the Demons came out and people saw it and be like, this kid can actually do that with like very little money and make a freaking feature film. Let's see what else he can do with maybe like a little more money, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So um, yeah, just uh, your work will build and you'll get better and uh, don't give up, you know? That's, that's the hardest part. <laughs> nice. So have you ever, have you ever felt like giving up yourself? Yeah. Yeah, of course. And it's hard. Um, so what is, what has kept you from giving up then? Like I said, I think it's uh, just like happening to get like another job or um, just being like so passionate about my ideas to where it's enough to, to drive me forward. You, know, you can ask my wife. <laughs> We've had to have conversations where like maybe I have to get this other job. And she's seen me like really, really sad about it because all I want to do is make films. You know, that's yeah. like if anyone felt like they had a purpose in life, that's the that's how I feel. Like, I feel like I want, I need to make films. I want to make films. And, uh, what if, what if I were to come up to you right now and say, Hey, I, I um, have a live action team together. I need a director who has experience. <laughs> say films. hire a live action director. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I was just, you said you want to make films. I'm just wondering, does it have, does it have to be in the medium that you're using or would you be happy, uh, you know, working in a different medium too? Well, I think I, I, I would love to try different mediums because, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I probably won't do paper forever. I love, you know, other forms of stop motion. In fact, um, claymation is one of the things that I wanted to do, but it was it was a little more it was way more expensive than paper. Paper's so cheap, you know, yeah, you got to buy clay. <laughs> yeah, you got to buy a ton of clay. You got to build elaborate sets, you know, and I, I tried back in college. I was making a big project. And um, it fizzled out. I couldn't do it because I couldn't afford it, you know, basically. What if you merge some claymation into your kind of... Cool. I've actually got this uh, neat idea for a film that will uh, blend live action with paper. And I've done some stuff like that before. Nice. Uh, but I've got a pretty, a pretty big ambitious plan for that. So that's, that's one of the things. And I, I thought that that might be a really good way to sort of get into the live action thing a little bit because I'd be shooting some live action elements and so maybe then I'd feel comfortable to actually do it like a full live action film, possibly down the road. But I kind of want to dip my toes in the water first. And also, I really love, you know, doing animation. I think it's kind of my unique thing that I can do. You know? yeah. That um, It's probably a safer bet for me to do at least a couple more films as an animator. Nice. If we were to if somebody was to go online and like go to your website, is there one specific video that you've done that you think is like the culminating piece of your work that they should watch? So like I guess my most recent feature film would be the culmination of my skills up to this point. <laughs> that makes sense. But, um, but I think they would also like, like I did this little Star Wars uh, music video called Tatooine that they would probably get a kick out of. And then recently I did one called Video Games. 
Um, I think there's a lot of like fun, like sweet little animations there to peruse. <laughs> Actually, I guess I have one more technical question with, with like the one that you did with video games, for instance, you have like spaceships flying around or whatever. Um, is that, am I, am I right? You, or am I thinking of a different, anyways, whatever. Do you do any of the animation on the computer? Like say um, you have, uh, let's just simplify things. Say you have a ball that needs to go from screen left to screen right. Will you actually animate that in real time with your camera? Or will you just take a, po a picture of a ball and then uh, animate it in like After Effects just going screen left to screen right? Typically I would animate it in camera. I try to do as much in camera as possible. Gotcha. I use um, the computer mostly for um, compositing like camera movement and then putting the layers together. Gotcha. Uh, not so much for animation. Uh, there's like some rare cases where I will use it for, you know, actual an animated element, typically just like an atmospheric, like a fog because I am um, like, I, sometimes I'll shoot the fog too. I mean, it just it's like changes, like depending on what I want to do with the fog, if it's like a fast moving fog, I want something fancy to happen to, or if it's just like a low laying fog that just needs to drift across the screen. I don't want it to draw too much attention to itself because it's just an atmospheric. So I won't, um, I won't shoot it frame by frame because that might, might be a little too jaggedy and it's hard to, hard to get it as smooth. So um, there's various uses for various things, but yeah, that's the long answer to that question. No, that's good. That's fine. Um, cool. As, I guess as we're wrapping up, is there anything else that you wanted to share? Um, I mean, I was going to ask you what's upcoming, but uh, you're working on this feature film for the next while. And then after yeah, that, who knows? Keep your eye out, too, because um, I think it, it might be announced relatively soon. And also, like in a year from now, like, please very much uh, look it up. And uh, I think it's going to be my best work ever. Nice. <laughs> Does that feel really satisfying to and like, are you like, I, I, I don't know. It feels like I would be proud if it was my best work ever. Yeah, well, I'm doing something new with this one. I'm bringing in like a bunch of watercolor textures and I'm adding a, a lot more mixed media uh, approach right. to it. So it's going to be very different from all the stuff I've done before. And that excites me. <laughs> it's kind of fun. It's like I'm experimenting all over again. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Um, well, yeah, well, well, I'll definitely look out for that. I'm really excited. I love your work. And I, I think it's I think it's really cool what you're doing. Like you found this very specific niche and, you, and you've kind of thrived within it, which I... I congratulate you on as well because I think that's amazing. And also, I've tried paper cutout animation, and I I have like a it's got like a special place in my heart. Oh, <laughs> Emotion. Cool. I'd like to see that stuff. Do you have it like out there? Uh, I think I have one short video that I made like 15 years ago, <laughs> but it's not anything like your work at all. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, it, I do have an appreciation for it because of that. Awesome. Cool. Well, uh, I guess, is there anything else that you wanted to, to share? Oh, I think that's it. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming <laughs> on the podcast. It's been great chatting. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And if you're listening and you want to follow Eric's work or get in touch, uh, you can do so by checking out his website, which is ericpowerup.net. And that is all for now. Thank you so much for listening. Okay, bye. <laughs>